Welcome to Chick Chat with Unapologetically Karen, the podcast for women by women. I'm Karen Webb, architect, author, entrepreneur, creative junkie, and your host. Chick Chat is your resource for building your big, bold, and beautiful feminine life. So join me for some eye-opening and jaw-dropping dialogue that has people talking. Our guest today is Amy Carpenter. She's a best-selling author, educator, and psychotherapist with over 25 years of experience. Her work has been featured on CBS, NBC, ABC, USA Today, and hundreds of nationally syndicated newspaper and magazine outlets. When her 17-year-old daughter was sexually assaulted, she realized it was time, time for her to use her knowledge and experience to help keep young people safe. She is the founder of the Be Strong, Be Wise Sexual Assault Awareness and Safety Program and the author of two books in the best-selling Be Strong, Be Wise series. Thank you for being here today. Hi, how are you, Amy? Hi, Karen. I'm really good, and thank you for the pleasure. I'm I'm happy to be here. It's great to have you. I um, would love to just start with what kind of brought you to this point where you felt that you needed to do this kind of work and then the kind of work that you do. So you can start with either one. Um, sure. As you said, I, ex- you know, experienced a really emotionally difficult period uh, several years ago when my daughter was in high school and was volunteering at a church soup kitchen And um, long story short, experienced one of the attendees there essentially grooming her. um, And that led to an assault at the church with about 60 people nearby. And the nature of it was super impactful for me. And I just I always say when I share this story that my daughter is really brave, has um, not only agreed to have me share the story, but encouraged me to share the story Uh, so that other people could learn from it. Um, But she took all the legal steps and the man was, you know. So can we, let's, let's go back to that for just a minute. So when you say was grooming her, what do you mean by that? Um, Thank you for asking (laughs) that. So, so she, so he essentially was making her believe or treating her in such a way that she would believe him to be friendly, nice, and um, a safe person, essentially. So he was complimenting her on her school performance, mm-hmm. on her athleticism. What was she interested in? Isn't she a nice person? All of this stuff, totally benign. Nothing was inappropriate. Um, but it continued. And essentially, it became very inappropriate. Um, the next time she went back to volunteer, and that's when a number of her friends were nearby. He, um, you know, reached out to touch her arm at one point. He continued to compliment her, but it became more about her physical appearance mm-hmm. and how she looked. Um, very inappropriate stuff. And um, as I stated, he essentially lured her into a hallway where he touched her inappropriately. So given what I do for a living, which is, I, as you mentioned, a psychotherapist and for 20 plus years, I have worked with survivors of assault because I work with primarily women. Mm-hmm. And so um, many, many women experience this in their lives. And I have, <clears throat> I've 
I, I have treated these women, you know, using methodology, using what I understand of personal recovery and healing trauma. And this was the first time in my life as a clinician and, of course, as a parent, where I, I observed the problem from a completely different perspective and it essentially came through my back door uh, and I had to deal with it from a, a very personal, vulnerable lens because uh, this was my child. Yes, yes. And in the aftermath of that, and I'll say, you know, as I mentioned, she took all of the legal steps, which was incredibly empowering for her to advocate for herself in that way. And um, it's it's hard to it's hard to look at that story and know how much of an impact it had on me. And also recognize that compared to what so many stories entail, hers was a mild one. Right, um, right. She, hers was a very mild one. And she knows that and I know that. But, you know, my mother's heart didn't know that. Um, in the oh, absolutely. And so yeah, yeah. I, I started to really look at things differently and, you know, essentially realize I'd been spending my entire career as a clinician responding to assault. And it was time for me to do something about prevention. And I had, um, I'm a writer, so I, I write as a way of responding to and understanding life. And uh, I just began to write and I started putting together thoughts. I started researching because I can obsessively research and pulled on a lot of really incredible writers and thinkers um, of our time and, and started to put together this curriculum that became these two books and essentially this course that's now being delivered at the middle school, high school, and college level. Oh, wow. That's uh, with, fantastic. With resounding success. Yeah, it's been a really effective um, course for young people because it, it really explores um, the individual person and how each individual person has a different relationship to unwanted sexual touch, which is, which is the definition of sexual assault. I see. Very, kind of, very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is really interesting. I, and what have you found in terms of like what, what causes certain people to feel more sensitive to it? Others not. Yep. That's a great question. Um, so usually, uh, you know, our, our personalities are developed by age six our life experiences in childhood, in early childhood, affect how we respond to life when we're, say, in adolescence. So by the time you're a teenager, which is, you know, my primary demographic, teenagers and young adults, you're already going to have, um, like, your sense of personal boundaries, whether you like to be touched or you don't like to be touched. You know, a lot of teenagers will describe it like, I'm a hugger or I'm not a hugger. You know, mm -hmm. teenagers right. know this about themselves, right? They know what their boundaries are. If you had an earlier experience of life where uh, touch was not safe or you never knew, for example, if you were going to get hit or somebody was not right. going to treat you well, you're going to be much more sensitive and maybe hypervigilant around whether it's okay to let people hug you, for example. So it's an opportunity to build emotional intelligence, really, around personal boundaries and how mm -hmm. to communicate those, which are essentially two of the big uh, goals in the in the course is to let young people develop their own sense of boundaries and, of course, how to communicate those to others. 
Interesting. Okay. So what are the the different things that are involved in this program that you do and, and how does it work? Is it, um, is it a book that they read in class? Is it, how, how does that kind of um, play out sure. in the classroom? <clears throat> well, there is a book. So we have two books in the Be Strong, Be Wise series. One is for youth, written to and for young people. And the second one is for parents and teachers and counselors who essentially want to deliver the course to the teenagers in their life, um, which was the goal at the outset. Like I'm one person. So um, the goal is to our organization is to get into a school, be able to teach the curriculum to the staff and then have that curriculum essentially woven into like their health course um, or psychology or phys ed. And then teachers within the school will deliver it. And so that's what our schools are doing. And there's five steps in the course. We start with a really broad view. Uh, we look at the definition of sexual assault. We look at the Me Too movement, because I think every young person needs to understand the Me Too yeah. movement. And a lot of teenagers have never even heard of the Me Too movement. So no, I'm not kind surprised. Of an thing to talk about. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, you know, yeah. a lot of people think that the Me Too movement was a long time ago. It was a few years ago and is actively still happening. Uh, in Harlem, New York. So, so we talk about Me Too. We talk about a lot of statistics. And we have pretty troubling statistics. Um, I mean, globally, but in our country, we're not going in a better direction. We're going in a worse direction. For example, when I started this work several years ago, at that time, there was an assault every 92 seconds in America. And currently there's an assault every 68 seconds in America Mm -hmm. and teenagers are the demographic most at risk Interesting. more than any other demographic. Teenagers are most at risk of experiencing assault by other teenagers. So the CDC recently came out with a report and I don't want to bore your listeners with all the stats, but there's a lot of really troubling things happening in schools Sexual harassment's on the rise, mm-hmm. cyberbullying's on the rise, um, and sexual violence is happening in school. Now, tell me why, so we why do you think, that. yeah, and why do you think, because I do think um, there is a shift or a change happening. I can see where those numbers are happening. Uh, the stats are like that. Why do you think what the source of it is? Why do you think that it's happening more? Um, or are we hearing about it more? Or is it that... Um, society's view on it has changed. What do you think is the kind of catalyst for that? I think there are a lot of different variables. Uh, A primary one uh, is the pandemic and teenagers on their screens more than ever before. During the course of the pandemic, we saw a 70% increase in cyberbullying and harassment among teenagers, which is a huge jump. And, you know, we both know you can't recover from that quickly. Mm-hmm. You don't suddenly end or, you know, go back to school and stop that, you know, behavior with your phone. So I think we're seeing a lot of that continue to play out the rise in uh, screen time and cyberbullying harassment. I think pornography. Uh, we've talked to a lot of young men who are saying pretty openly that their friends are addicted to porn. That's how they're understanding Hmm. the sex experience. Um, They're not learning it in schools, so they're going on to pornography sites. And a lot of pornography, 88%, in fact, of these videos contain violence against women. 
So teenagers are learning that violent sex is normal, uh, that requesting nude pictures um, from your you know, classmates is normal. And it's, it's happening in schools largely because they're learning it's okay from yeah. a very, I mean, we have, um, was it 28 million sites in America? America is the number one producer of pornography. Uh, globally, where we are influencing the world with pornography. I just came back from South Africa. I was doing some work there. They're seeing the highest rate of femicide, uh, killing of women ever in mm-hmm. the history, and and they're really linking it to pornography. Wow. Um, so it's troubling stuff to think about, but I think I think there's a lot of of different variables, and you know, adults don't know how to talk about it, so a lot of times we don't. And right. that's one of our goals in the program. We have three primary goals, but one of them is to normalize a language for discussing sexual ethics mm-hmm. and personal safety. Interesting. I like that. Um, yeah. yeah. Very nice. So, and do you think that the ethics have changed for teens or teachers or, cause I'm wondering, like thinking back to, you know, elementary school, high school for me, I mean, most people had our generation, you know, we learned it in health class. Our parents had the, you know, talk with us. And then in school, we learned, you know, kind of everything. We learned about the menstrual cycle. We learned how it all works, et cetera. Is that different now? Do they not teach that? Or is it in a different, you know, way that they're teaching it or with a different slant? Um, Well, I think it's... I think it's two different things. I mean, there's how are babies made, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. how do you protect against STDs? And then there's how do you respect someone else's boundaries and communicate your own? And we're very happy to focus on the first part of that. Like, let's talk about how babies are made. Yeah. The average young person knows how babies are made by the time they're eight. Um, (laughs) So they don't necessarily need that as much as they need help with boundaries. Interesting. And respect. And integrity. So the way that I describe it is sexual ethics is when we go beyond the birds and the bees of traditional sex education. And we look at the garden where the birds and the bees reside. How does everybody get along in the garden? How do they communicate boundaries? How do they share space and respect each other? And that's what our program is all about is giving teenagers a pathway, a roadmap because they're not getting it in their sex ed class. Yeah. No, I think that's really interesting. You're right. We didn't have that in our sex ed class either. Now, I don't know if we learned it from home or we, I'm not sure, but um, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think think that the the situation, I mean, I I don't know, you know, my guess is like you're saying, we're in a similar age bracket. We didn't grow up in the digital age. Right. That's very true. Yes. So the digital age is a game changer for everyone. So, you know, that's why our goal is to normalize this language because never before in human history do you have a generation of people who did not get raised in the digital age raising children who are in the digital age. Oh, wow. That's really, you're right. That is a whole game changer. Yes. Yes. Right. And, and our children, um, can, you know, spin circles around us with their phones. Most parents would say that most teenagers are aware of that too. And so what I hear from parents is like, I don't know a hundred percent of what my kid does on their phone. And most teenagers Mm -hmm. say, I don't want my parent to know a hundred (laughs) percent of what I do on my phone. So we're having vast amounts of 
learning really and influence and imprint and conditioning that adults are not aware of at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. And it's playing out in our classrooms, in our, in our public schools, in our private schools, it's playing out where young people spend their time, which is in school. Yeah. Um, so yeah, big task. Yeah, that is. That's, I've never thought of it that way, but you're right. It is. It's sort of like, you know, technology and different things lead us down a path, but then we don't realize what might come from that. And then we're trying to now kind of play catch up a little bit. Um, yeah. And do you, now tell me a little, I know there is such a controversy and so much around right now, just around gender and transgender and whether it's taught in the school or promoted in the school or discussed, it, does that come into play in your uh, work or not? It does. We have uh, in our second class, so I talked about the first class, that kind of global perspective, definition of sexual assault, helping young people identify what their version of unwanted sexual touch is. That's like, what are my personal boundaries kind of thing? That's class one. And in class two, we look at gender and culture because girls are conditioned differently than boys. Mm -hmm. And um, gender other teens and trans teens are experiencing a very different reality than girls and boys are. And so in that class, we begin to look at um, the reality for girls and what some of the expectations of behavior are for girls versus boys. Girls are often expected to be nice and sweet Mm -hmm. um, and good. And boys are expected to be a bit aggressive, assertive, you know, and so really having an opportunity, it's often our most popular class is class two because there aren't enough spaces for teenagers to talk about this stuff Mm -hmm. and what it's like to live it, what it's like to deal with it in their dating life, for example. And of course, for our trans teens and our LGBTQ teens, um, dealing with homophobia and all of the isms and all of the um, judgment mm-hmm. and misinformation that can happen right there, or, you know, around sexual identity and expression has a whole other layer of conversation that needs to take place. And so a lot of times, like I'm learning from the students, if I have a gender other teen in my, my classroom. Um, I recently had a student say I was using the term gender fluid and she said, you know, actually it's gender other, which, you know, sometimes it feels very like we're splitting hairs with these terms. Yeah. Um, and the way that I've approached it, because I kind of adopt this idea of like no student left behind, right. Um, a very popular phrase in our educational system And we can't afford to have any student left behind when it comes to sexual safety. So it's really about, you know, meeting them where they're at and what terms are comfortable for them because our curriculum is applicable to anyone. Right, right. Yeah, Yeah. I do. It it feels like a dangerous thing when we start to get to split hairs about the words, you know, because, yeah, and and there is that thinking language becomes ideology or and back and forth and, um, I love the idea of teaching them the safety. I think that's so critical. Um, I get a little concerned when it gets to the the genders just because sometimes I feel like it's a thing that should happen at home. How do you feel about that, that conversation? I think it should happen everywhere. 
Okay. Yes, and then I think it should happen everywhere. Okay. Yeah. And are parents involved in this or, or given an idea well, of the curriculum? We, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we've done, we've ran community classes. Um, we've ran on, we've, I, we have a class coming soon that we're advertising now. Any parent can sign their child up. Um, we have a workshop for parents that's all described on our website. Nice. Um, so we really, we want everybody that's to great. have access. This, this is not a, a home versus school. It's like Perfect. everywhere. Yeah. Cause there um, has, we need it to be everywhere. It, and it yeah. should, I agree with you. And it should be transparent to the parents because I mean, if anything we learned during COVID was that we didn't really know what was being taught in schools. And then with home schooling, everyone went, Oh my gosh. <laughs> and yeah, it was probably a good thing that it all came out. But, um, I like the idea that it is very transparent to parents because they may not be able to have this conversation. It may not be an easy one, or they may have their own background that is limiting them. Um, yeah. You know, with, now, I don't know if this is the case or not. I have been feeling lately that I think it definitely, this notion of um, kind of invading someone's space or making a woman uncomfortable seems to be on the rise. Um I don't know if it is just for teens or kind of everybody, but, you know, recently it's interesting because I was single for a very long time between, um, I'm married now and I, I was before, but there was a good 15 to 18 years of, of just dating and, and I had a strong group of girlfriends and we were always out and about and always felt safe, never felt, you know, like I was in any jeopardy or, you know, or uncomfortable. But then recently it's been happening. And I think that's sort of strange because I'm not even in the situations that would really, you know, would have that happen. I'm definitely in those less, but I'm sort of aware that, that, for example, we were with friends, went to a dinner and kind of a place that has dancing, et cetera, Palm Desert, um, California. And just standing there go, with my husband. I'm there with my husband and I go to, I need to go to the dance floor to let my friend know we're going to head out and she and our other friend are going to stay. And as I'm walking out there, all of a sudden this man's like in my way. And I said, Oh, excuse me. And tried to get around. And he like turns. And then all of a sudden, so I turn to go the other way. There he is again. And I'm like, excuse me. And it happened basically kind of circling me and kind of cornering me. And I'm looking at him, I'm like, and I finally look at him and I go, what the hell? Like, what are you doing? What's, yeah. what, what? And, yeah. you know, and what I noticed for the first time, I mean, clearly I'm in a place, public place, but I had that fear come up within me, you know, that of like, wait a minute, this isn't safe. Something's not right. And he's so in my space. Then to the point, and I even said, you know what? My husband's right over there, you know. Yeah. Let me go. Yeah. And then he like yeah. leans in and grabs my arms, like my shoulders, and is like, no, it's okay, and like pulls me in for some weird hug or something. And it was the first moment, you know, in my 50-some years that I was like, what is this? Yeah. 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 And yeah. Yeah. And and younger girls for sure. So that would be know. that would be considered assault. Uh, yeah, right? right? It sure felt yeah. like it. I yeah. was like, Yeah. And I, I even had to say, get your hands off me. I mean I've never had to say yeah. that. Yeah. 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 It, it definitely seems like it's, it's more rampant or it's, or maybe I've just come across it when I hadn't in so many years, but I definitely see it more. And for our young people, it's gotta be hard to navigate that. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, I mean, I, I wish that I, I could disagree with that, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I can't. Mm-hmm. I completely get it. I wish that hadn't happened to you. I wish that um, I didn't have to hear 13-year-old girls say that they get requests for nude pictures <laughs> every week. Do they really? Every wow. yeah. week, yeah. And they're starting to say it's normal. Oh, it's just a normal part of, of high school and middle school. And of hmm. course, it's not. And this Mm-mm. is where the education is important. Um, but, you know, we, the CDC is now observing that, you know, high school girls are having higher rates of sadness, hopelessness, and suicidality than ever before. Wow. And I believe it 100% correlates with the rise in sexual violence, which is higher than ever before in, in schools. And so there, you know, there's a reason why this is happening for young people. And I've named a couple of the variables, but I, I just, I just think that, I mean, I don't want to get into a whole political thing, Mm -hmm. but we are in a country that's at a basic standoff around how do we do, how do we do this education piece? Right. What are we going, what are we going to do about, um, you know, the rise in sexual violence? Are we going to talk about it or are we not going to talk about it? Are we going to ask the tools, uh, schools to participate in that conversation or not? So, you know, meanwhile, it's like every day there are hundreds um, of, of young people that are getting hurt. So, you know, so it's, it's, it's a very hard process to be in as an educator because you're watching the results and you know, right. you can do something about it. You, I mean, we have um, our, one of our flagship schools recently reported that they saw a school wide decrease in sexual aggression among their students after we brought our program in. That's, oh, that's phenomenal. really important data, right? That's, like, that's huge data. really significant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I've been like trying to share this data with as many people as I can, but, you know, it's, it's hard to get into schools right now. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it seems like yeah. it's such a valuable, it's such a valuable lesson that you're sharing with them. I mean, to really, you know, because it's two things. One is to know that you can decide for yourself what your boundaries are. They don't have to right. be what everybody else's are. And, right. and that's big for somebody to understand. And then on top of that, to really kind of study where are my boundaries? You know, like, I think that's a right. great one to, yeah. to, to and, and then on top of that, what do you do in a situation where your boundaries are, you know, not respected? So I think it's phenomenal, the program that you're doing. Um, I think it's like, you know, people learn stuff in school, maybe they never use in their life. This is one that they will be using the rest of their lives. So yeah, yeah it's thank huge. You. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I think adults need it too. Mm-hmm. You know, after I went through what I went through with my daughter, I realized like, here I am a trauma clinician. Right. And I felt completely out of my depth for how to, you know, I was much more intuitive with how to respond to her and how to help her versus how to help myself. Um, but adults, mm-hmm. we, we get too scared about stuff. Yeah. We're so worried. We're so worried about what could happen that we stop talking with our young people about what could happen right. and what they and what they can do. So like, you know, with your scenario, if you were one of my students in my class, we would talk about like personal authority and mm-hmm. getting right on that person, like back off 
and being mm-hmm. able to be as loud and big as you can because girls aren't taught to be loud. Absolutely. And big. We're right. taught That's... to be small and quiet. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So, and so, you know, our girls need to be empowered. I call it cultivating the inner warrior and like hmm. learn to speak up. And, and boys, you know, have an inner champion that can use their physical strength as a protective source for women rather than a frightening source for women. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. I always tell my, my male students, you know, you may not be so popular with like the cool boys at school when you're calling out a friend for slut shaming a girl mm-hmm. walking down the high school hallway, but your girlfriends are going to really think you're all that. Absolutely. You know? Yes. And, and when it comes to creating partnerships for yourself, you're going to have a better time. Um, because what we're seeing is, and I, I had a brave young man um, do an interview with me and I, I wrote an article about it, but you know, what he shared was that the, the boys that are addicted to porn, which is according to him, every friend he had wow. mm-hmm. are not, are not able to stop themselves when they have an interest in a young woman mm. that they want to date, they think she's cute. They like her. So they're going to blow up her phone wow. with text messages that are probably inappropriate because again, it's that mindset. If I wear her down, eventually she'll say yes. So what my young friend was saying yeah. is that the the boys that are getting girlfriends, which is what a lot of boys want mm-hmm. are, are the boys that have self-control. Interesting. Yeah. 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 And we do, yeah. I mean, and learn how to have respect. Yeah. And we do, you know, that's what's so interesting like in that scenario that I was in, of course, my husband was already making his way down there and I thought he was just going <laughs> to deck the guy. Take um, him out. He yeah. <laughs> he handled it beautifully. But you know, even though as women, we want to be strong, we want to be resilient, we want to be resourceful and handle our own stuff. We don't want to be meek and timid, but we all love a man that's going to stand up for us and is going to be there for us and, and have our back. So, um, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Every woman I wants think it's that. both. Mm-hmm. I think it's both. We've got to empower ourselves because yes. we're not always going to have that. Yep. You know, you're not always going to have your husband. Exactly. Right and they're not mutually exclusive. Um, you can absolutely have both. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. But I, I just think it calls on, um, the, the inner authority and the inner, yeah, emotional intelligence of, of both parties, you know, that, that women are able to speak up for themselves and that men are able to step in if need be, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there are scenarios that we both know. And thank God you got, you know, your husband there and you helped yourself in mm-hmm. that moment where somebody might not back down that easily. Right. And you may need some support. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. No, it's, it's, yeah. yeah, I think we, um, I think we, for so long have been like, yeah, it's great for a guy to be cool and tough. And so many women like the bad boys, you know, but we also like the honorable man who's going to, you know, really be that respectful. Um, And I think that they, you know, we raise our boys in that way. They can be both. Um, It is a, it is a very, yeah, it's, it's a very admirable trait to have. So Yes. Um, and then tell me a little, tell us a little about the books that you've written and um, where people can find those and kind of what they're about. Uh, sure. So, so both of the books essentially map out the same roadmap I reference. There's a five step roadmap um, for young people that we talk about in book one, 
So we give a little bit of history and, um, you know, I, I talk a little bit about my own story and then without being too classroom oriented, mm -hmm. it's basically a discussion because it's a book. So it's a discussion yes. about these different steps in the course. Um, and then in book two, which is for adults and it's essentially a, a train the trainer book. Okay. So it, it goes with our train the trainer course. Mm -hmm. And there are eight steps to the train the trainer course because for adults, we need a little bit more of um, our own personal inventory needs to be done. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got to do a little bit of unpacking around our yes. own history, right. um, especially for people who have their own assault stories. Yeah. It's going to be hard perhaps to teach a course like this. So we've got a, a lot of things built in to book two um, that will help the educator. Makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. If the educator has their own history, if they don't have their own history, what's their understanding of, of how to parent um, or how to educate? Because, you know, there's different ideologies at play. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we just, we do, a, a, I think, a really good job of really meeting the individual reader or individual educator where they're at. And helping them figure out the way that's going to work for them. Mm -hmm. Because again, we've got all the steps. We've got all the work. We've got the homework, the supplementals, the books. We've done all the work for wow. them. The, the educator really just has to do, the, do their own inner work because nobody else can do that. Right. Um, around, you know, here I am, I'm going to teach sexual assault awareness yeah. to my students. And know? so if yeah. I, if I'm a parent with a child that I feel like, you know, yeah, this would really be something I'd want them to learn. How do, is that something that they should get the book then that trains them to talk to their child? Or is there a way that they can reach out to you to be part of some larger class? Yeah. I mean, they're for sure welcome to reach out to me. We've got a class starting May 10th. Uh, that's going to run for four consecutive weeks. That is a youth class. It's online. Oh, beautiful. So people people can take it from wherever they are um, in the world. And it's meeting 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time, starting May 10th. So they can reach out to me at amy at Be Strong, Be Wise if they're interested in signing their child up. We have uh, our website is bestrongbewise.com and that outlines each one of our courses, how to get a hold of us, how to sign up for the class. That's all there on the website. Um, and what do you think is but, the right you know, age for that? Just so people, if, if some of our listeners are thinking about it and, you know, what is the right age for the student, would you say, for the youth? Well, I mean, it's, it's, I've decreased my age <laughs> dramatically. Probably Karen, needed to. I'm sure. I'm sure you needed I mean, to. When I, yeah. yeah. When I started hearing 12 year old girls tell me they get requests for new pictures all the time, I was like, okay, 12. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and my guess is this happened. This happens at younger ages, but I'm kind of going with um, like 12 to 18, okay. which is a huge age bracket. Yeah. But the nature of the course is such that. Again, it, it, because it's applicable to anybody, regardless of their age, life experience, location, race, sex, etc., it's applicable to anybody. So, um, and because it's online, it's a little easier to deal with the age gap. Right. Um, and I actually have taught this class with 13 year olds in attendance at the same time, an 18 year old mm -hmm. 
was in attendance and it worked beautifully. So, so yeah, I would say, you know, 12 to 18, um, we most often get folks kind of 13 to 18. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Um, but yeah, that's our, our primary age bracket. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. I could definitely see uh, my kids are all grown up. Thank goodness we made it. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I know I do that too. Oh my God. Thank goodness. There were times I didn't know, but right. But, um, Yeah. yeah, if I had a child in that age bracket, I would absolutely want them to, you know, kind of explore this, understand and really arm themselves with, with that kind of sense of boundary and respect that they, they deserve. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for, for sharing all that with me. This has been really, really interesting. And I, you know, I, I had researched all of your info, but I did not really realize how much, you know, our life technology, the pandemic, everything has kind of changed things and, and, um, and we need to kind of find the right answers within that. So this is, this is great. I appreciate your time. Thanks. Thanks for your time too, Karen, and for having the conversation. Thank you. Okay. For all the listeners out there, stay inspired, be bold, be beautiful, and we will see you soon. 